0: Uh, it's good to be back here. I, I felt like I, I hadn't seen those faces in a couple months. You know, I guess it's been a, a busy last few weeks for you guys and I, I was able to double up last month, so it's been it's been a while since I've seen you guys and um you know I, I mean this. This is truly one of the blessed most blessed times that I have. I'm I'm currently uh training to be a pastor at some point and um you guys get the you guys get to be the guinea pigs of the uh of the of the sermons that I that I prepare. But uh but I do. I am I'm, I'm grateful to see all of you guys and um I hope that you've that you've been blessed uh these last few weeks since since I've seen you. Um let's uh let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get into the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh holy spirit, and Christ the son, we we call upon you today, Lord, uh to to be with us today. We call upon you to to be with your people, to open our eyes and open our ears and our hearts, Lord, to the truth of your word and to glory in you and glory in who you are and, and what you've done, Lord, for, for a people who admittedly don't deserve it. God, we 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 confess to you, God, that we are, that we are needy people, that we are weak. And uh, feed us, Lord, feed us with your word, feed us, feed our souls, God, give us, give us strength and, and steadfastness, God, to continue on. And to do your will, Lord, and, and may this happen by the preaching of your word today. Lord, move me out of the way, and may it only be your Holy Spirit speaking to your people. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So, um, before we get in our passage today, which I believe is is probably one of the most beautiful and extremely important conversations that we get in all of the Bible. Uh, it's a conversation that takes place uh, in John chapter 21 between Jesus Christ and the Apostle Peter. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about here. You've probably heard a sermon preached on it before, um, but uh, I, it can't be talked about enough. It can't be talked about and looked at enough uh, because of the significance of the of the conversation that, that takes place with that. So before we get into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Apostle Peter. And, um, you know, I think if we're all being honest with ourselves today and we, we look at how Peter acts throughout the Gospels we can all look inside of ourselves and see a little bit of Peter, can't we? Uh, we can see, uh, I don't always think before I speak. You know, uh, Peter has a, a long history of not really thinking before he speaks. Um, I don't always think before I act. Peter has a long history of not really thinking before he acts. He's a man of passion. He's a very passionate man. He's, he's, he's wrong in a lot of areas. And, uh, and you know, the, uh, Jesus, you know, is quick to point that out in various different examples but uh, but he's passionate about the Lord uh to a fault, and that gets him in a little bit of trouble doesn't it so um, but it's that it's that passion of peter that i that I really, really want to talk about and the first example I want to give you is out of the book of Matthew, and it comes out of chapter sixteen, where Christ asks uh all of the disciples that are together he asks them who who are the people saying that I am you know and and the response to that is some say that Uh, you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elijah and some say that you're another one of the prophets and Christ makes it more specific. He says, but who do you, who do you say that I am apostles? And Peter speaks out and he says that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one, the son of God. And Jesus says, I'm changing your name from Simon to Cephas. This is when he changes his name to Peter, which means rock. And it's this statement that Peter gives that, that you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And it is upon the statement that Peter has made that he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. It's this glorious moment. Peter must have been on cloud nine, right? He said something that was right. He said something that was good. And Jesus actually says as much. He says, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Has revealed this truth to you that I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, and on that statement, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But you know something else happens just four verses later. Just four verses later in the exact same book, something interesting happens. Jesus starts to explain that here in the near future, I am going to be arrested, and I am going to suffer many things, and G- and. Peter, speaking brashly, without thinking, says, not on my watch, Jesus. Oh, far be it. You're not going to be arrested, and you're not going to be, this isn't going to happen. Do you remember what Jesus says to him? He says, get thee behind me, what did he say? Satan. Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. In the span of four verses, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter goes from being the rock the guy who made the statement that that, he, that Jesus is the Son of God and He is the Messiah to being called Satan because of the way He speaks out um, against what uh, what um, what the Lord is is saying is going to happen to Him, His sufferings and 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 whatnot. So there's other examples as well. If we think about um, well, before we get to that, so we can see how how peter 's passion gets him in trouble throughout throughout the gospels. Well, if you know the rest of the story, you know that Peter uh, later tells uh, proudly he says to Christ proudly, he says, "All of these other apostles they 're all going to run away, but i 'm going to be the one that stays i 'm not going anywhere Jesus and Jesus follows him up, follows that up immediately with saying, actually you 're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. you will have denied me three times." And uh, we know that Judas then goes on uh, to betray Jesus. He, he sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. Peter ultimately winds up denying him three times. And then Christ is beaten, crucified, and buried. All of this takes place. And after he dies, Peter, the one who proclaimed that I will never leave, I'll never go anywhere, he flees. All of the apostles do. They all run. And he spends three days completely broken completely ruined at the fact that his savior has died and this is not i mean you know we have we have the beauty of looking at this in hindsight we know what happens throughout the rest of the story but it's not as if christ hadn't told peter that i must i must be I'm, i will be raised up and i will draw him i will draw him into myself this was all part of what Jesus had been communicating. This was always going to be coming down the way that he was going to be taken, that he was going to be rested, that he was going to be beaten and crucified. And Christ knew that Peter's faithfulness was not what Peter thought his faithfulness was, right? So um, in the meantime, Christ raises from the dead. And Peter and John, they travel back to the tomb and they, to inspect it. They go back to inspect the tomb because they heard that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And they, hear, they get a message after inspecting the tomb that you are to go into Galilee and you're to wait for me. You're to wait for Jesus. He's coming to you. So he and John and the other disciples, they, 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 they go out to Galilee. And now they're waiting for Christ to appear to them. And Peter goes back to something that he's very familiar with. It's what he was doing when the Lord first happened upon him and called him to follow him, he starts to fish. He's Peter's a fisherman by trade. So Peter rose out on the boat, he and, and John and, and they're they're fishing, uh whether it was through the night or very, very early in the morning, um, we don't know, but it took some place before the sun came up. That much I know. And here out there, Peter is fishing and he's caught absolutely nothing. It's been the most unsuccessful fishing trip. You know, of, of all time and and um, a, man, a man appears on the shore and he says to them, children, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Immediately comments on the fact that that's what fishermen love, by the way, uh, people commenting on the fact that they've caught no fish. You know, I can imagine Peter, I can imagine Peter being a little annoyed by, by this at first, not realizing who is commenting on the fact that they hadn't caught any fish. And he says to him, if you, if you th- how about you cast the net to the right and there you'll find a catch. And there's so many fish, 153 to be exact. There were so many fish, miraculous fish. Actually, there's some pastors or there's some preachers that will call this like these, these, yeah. these fish were, were created on the spot and set in, you know, in the spot where he goes in and catches this miraculous amount of fish so much so that they can't even drag it into the boat. And John tells Peter, that's the Lord. That's the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I love the next part of the story because Peter, Peter, uh, not thinking before he acts, not, doesn't realize, you know, I'm in a boat and this might be the fastest way to get from here to where Jesus is. He just puts on his, he puts on the outer garment and just dives into the water and he swims the distance that he could have rowed in the boat from where he's at all the way to the shore so that he can be in front of his Lord. A man of passion, Peter is, and that's actually what brings us to um, our passage today that I want to look at. So, if you'll turn in your Bibles, if you if you brought your Bible to, to John uh, chapter twenty one, he he comes to the shore. Just a little bit more of a little bit more explanation. He comes all the way to the shore, and there is Jesus. And where it begins here, it says that, that that Jesus had made his disciples breakfast. He was already cooking food for them. So that when they came, when they got to the shore, and they would sit with him, that they would be able to eat dinner. Now it's very important to realize, while Peter is pr- probably over the moon that his Lord has appeared, and that here is here is his 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 King and his and his priest and his God. Here is Jesus Christ. He must be filled up with 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 excitement and joy. But at the same time, at the same time, this is the Savior. That he's just gotten away from denying three times. This is the Savior who he promised that all would abandon him, but he would never abandon him, and he did. Imagine, if you will, the most uncomfortable breakfast that you could ever imagine. There is an elephant in the room uh, that that we can't uh, that we can't deny. Peter is weighed down by guilt and by shame during this interaction with, uh, with Jesus. So, um, let's, let's go ahead and look at our passage. We're going to be starting in verse 15 is where we're going to start here. It says, um, whoops, I'm in the wrong part of John. Here we go. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me more than these? It's the first interaction that we get directly between uh peter and and the lord now when he when he talks about do you love me more than these you know there's been a lot of there's a lot of uh people that have made assumptions about that particular verse and and some what are the couple of things that he could mean well one of the things that he could mean is do you love me more than these do you love me more than the fishing boat do you love me more than fishing you love me more than the poles and the nets and everything else that you would use? Are, are I, am I not worth more than these worldly things, these things that I've called you from? And he could mean that. Yeah, that's absolutely one of the things that he could mean. But remember that the other apostles are there. there are, the other apostles are, are at this breakfast, at this divine meeting. And Peter, if you were paying attention before to what I said, Peter had just got done saying that all of these will leave you but I will be the one who remains. What I believe Jesus is asking him is he's saying, do you love me more than these other apostles? You said as much. You said that you loved me more than these other apostles. Do you love me more than these apostles? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And he said, well, then tend my sheep. Feed my sheep is what he tells him. And What he's saying by feed my sheep, what he's saying is, is, is feed my lambs. You, you take the the young Christians, the infant church, then you need to feed my lambs. You need to make sure that you're giving them my word and that you're tending to them, that you're, you're taking care of them. If you love me, you'll feed my lambs. Well, in verse 16, if you read it with me, he, he begins a second time. He begins a second time. He says, uh, he says to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. A shepherd's role was to guide, to guide the sheep, to lead the sheep. So now we have give them their nutrients, feed them, feed them with my word, guide them, take them under and be the pastor. He's, he's basically calling him to a pastoral role. This is what you are to do for me if you love me, if you love me. And... Uh, then we get the third time. We get the third time. Let's look at, uh, at verse 17. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this is where it gets interesting. It says Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know, all things, you know, that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep, tend my flock. So the first question that I think is natural to ask yourself in this is why did he why did he have to ask him three times? You know, I think you guys probably know the answer to this. Well, Peter denied Jesus three times. He had three opportunities to say, "Yes, that is my Lord. Yes, that is that is Jesus." But out of fear and with a spirit of some kind of self-preservation, he betrayed the Lord of glory three separate times and Christ was giving him the opportunity in this moment graciously to go back on with what he said and says, Peter, do you love me? Now there's two different Greek words that are used for love in this exchange. And I, I, I don't know that it's, it's super important to, to um, I think they're both communicating the same thing. One of the word is agape, which is a godly love. And I'm sure you guys have, I'm sure some of you guys have heard this. The other word is phileo, which tends to be more of a brotherly love an adoration a a cherishing almost and they're used interchangeably throughout this uh, conversation that takes place here what he's getting at is do you love me more than anything do you love me more than anything if you do and you proclaim this then do these things but the thing is jesus knows jesus knows that peter loves him Jesus being a man, Jesus being the God man can fully sympathize with our ability to love and to care for somebody else. And he knows Peter. He knows that Peter loves him imperfectly, right? All of us have fallen in Adam and we don't give up. We can't love God perfectly. We might desire to love God perfectly, but there's something about us that keeps us from from, from being able to fully express the perfect love for God and to act as we should all the time, and Jesus knows this. But he says, if you love me, Peter, you will take care of my sheep, right? It's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful exchange where it shows the Lord in, in, in his grace and in his mercy, providing not only breakfast, but coming and seeking Peter out, even though he betrayed him, cooking him this meal and giving him the opportunity to be face to face with his sin, Jesus knows the face to face to his sin and to and to uh basically repent from it on the spot, but you know i've heard I've heard this passage preached um many times many times, and i have i take i, I do i take some issue with the way a lot of time that it, that it's being presented because a lot of people will will take and they'll they'll say okay well well um let's let's i what I want to do is I want to look at the differences between Peter and I want to look at the differences between Judas. Because that's the direction that I'm going to go with this. When we look at the fact that Peter has denied Jesus three times, he has betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has abandoned the Lord Jesus Christ in this time of need, and he's run from him. How is Peter any different from Judas? On a cosmic scale. Now I get it, Peter didn't go, they, they betrayed him in different ways, Judas went and it says that he was sp- filled with the spirit of Satan and he goes off and he, he uh, makes a deal with the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus and let them know like exactly where he is so that he could be arrested. He betrayed the Lord of glory. But what I, I want to ask you today is how is Peter different? Because Peter did betray the Lord of glory. Why is it? Why is it? That Peter is having this interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ where breakfast is being made for him in the face of the guilt. But Judas wasn't. What happened there? Because we have two men that are capable of sin, both betraying the Lord, and not only one of them received the breakfast. Only one of them received the visitation. I would offer to you today that that has absolutely nothing to do with Peter and Judas. Judas. Some people, some people preach it and they say, well, Peter, now you have to realize, you know, that Peter had a spirit of repentance and Judas didn't. Peter had a spirit of repentance and and Judas didn't. Well, did they? Because what I read in my Bible is that Judas was struck to the heart. He was overcome with shame and with guilt. And what he actually tried to do is he actually tried to take his 30 pieces of silver, the measly 30 pieces of silver that he used to turn in the Lord of glory. He tries to take it back to the leaders and he says, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. And they say, well, it's your business. And he casts the money back into the court and he walks away completely torn. That's what the Bible says about Judas. But when we think about what happens with Judas, he unable to live with his sh- with his shame and with his guilt, he goes and he winds up actually taking his own life. We know that that's, that's what happens with Judas, that he was, he was completely <clears throat> torn apart by all of this. Well, if you know in the book of Zechariah there was a prophecy a long time ago It was a messianic prophecy that was given that actually talked about Judas, the Judas that was to come, the one who would betray the the Messiah with 30 pieces of silver. J- Judas was actually talked about in the Old Testament. There was always going to be a Judas. There was always going to be somebody that was going to betray the Lord, the Lord Jesus and Christ, but at the same time Christ himself has had prophesied that Peter was going to betray him. He said, no, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows. You're going to leave me too. So how are we to look at all of this in light of the story? Can we draw the distinction between Peter and Judas? I say we can't. I have tried to read this scripture over and over and over again and look at what these men have been teaching all this time. I cannot draw the distinction between Peter and Judas. I see the same guy. I see the one who is not willing to stand up for the Lord, the one who abandons Him in His time of need. That's what I see between the two of them, right? So, who's the difference? Where's the difference at? The difference is with the Savior. The difference is with the Savior. It's with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm I want to prove this to you. Um, in John chapter thirty-six, if you, or John chapter six thirty-six. If you go to John chapter six thirty-six, I'd like for you to see what I'm talking about here. And I'd like to let Jesus be the one to explain this. I'll start reading here in verse 36. Now this comes after Jesus has made that I am the bread of life. I am the bread that has come out of heaven, right? This is when he's explaining to these people that he is the one. He is the ultimate bread where if 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 you consume him, you will never be hungry again right? He says that the, that uh, Moses and, and the people that were being led out, they were fed out of manna from heaven, but they got hungry again. I am the true bread from heaven, where if you eat from me, you'll never hunger again. Uh, these people had a really hard time with this teaching. <laughs> but it says here in verse 36, it says, but I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. Hear these words. All that the father gives me will come to me. All that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. I lose nothing that the father has given to me, but I will raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Everyone who is being drawn by the Father, anyone who comes to Christ, who, is, who will come to Christ, they will come to him. It's not as if the Lord fails in his mission to save. The Lord God, does, Jesus Christ, does not fail in his mission to save. Everyone who is being drawn by the Father will come to him and he will raise them up in the last day. Amen. Amen. You can't get past it. You can't get past it. And I'm going to prove that this is the case because Jesus prays this much. Flip over to John chapter 17. Keep your thumb there in John chapter six, but I want to go to John chapter 17. Listen to the words of our Lord as he prays. He prays for the disciples. Okay. He's praying for the disciples and I'm, I'm, guys, you cannot be more blessed I praise God that he's given us his word that we can go in and we can read these things. It is, it is, it it, it pumps me up. I get, I get excited reading these things because it just learning about the Lord, man. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing like it, but I want you, I want you guys to look, let's look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12 and let's listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name. Now, when he's talking about them, he's talking about the apostles. He's talking about the 12. Okay. And he says, He says, uh, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them. Not one of them perished, but the son of perdition so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus is talking about Judas. I kept all of them safe. I guarded them. You gave them to me, Lord. You drew them. I have kept them and I have guarded them except for one. Who's the one? Judas, the son of perdition, the one who was prophesied about in the book of Zechariah chapter 11, the one who was always going to betray Jesus Christ, he was not one of the sheep. He wasn't one of the sheep. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls him a devil. There were 11 that the Lord had given him in a devil, the one who was always going to betray him. And Jesus actually says, uh, not one of them I've lost, but except for the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Not Judas, the eleven. That the eleven, he comes to the Lord God, so that the the remaining eleven may have my joy, Christ's joy. Man. it Makes you think. It makes you think. Flip back over to John chapter six. And I want to I want to I want to show you guys uh, this. I want to let's look. Let's look at verse sixty six. I'm going to read it through till uh, verse seventy one. As a result of this, so we go back to the teaching where he tells everybody that all who come to me will come to me, I will lose none of them, consume me because I am the bread out of heaven. Whoever eats my flesh and consumes my blood, he's making a statement of of whoever believes in me, whoever completely comes in and believes that I am the one that he has sent, that is the one who consumes his flesh and drinks his blood. You know, there's other folks that interpret that a different way, but I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what this means. He is saying to those, to those, I will give eternal life. And these people had absolutely no idea what Jesus was talking about. So they all get up. There's a multitude. There's, there's thousands of people here hearing this teaching. Many of them get up at the hard teachings that Jesus was saying, and they all start to walk away from it. These are 5,000 people that he just got done feeding. They all stand up. They turn around and they're like, okay, I can't listen to this guy anymore. I can't listen to what he's saying anymore. And they get up and they start to walk away. And this is the conversation that results in this. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not and were walking with him anymore. This was part of the 5,000. So Jesus said to the 12, do you not want to go away also, do you? Why are you guys not leaving? Why are you not getting up and walking away at these hard teachings? And Simon Peter answers him. Peter answers him. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You're the, only, you're the only hope that we have. He says, we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you? You didn't choose me. I chose you. And John says just as much in first John it's not that the, it's not that that, that that the Lord God love it's not that we love the Lord God but he loved us first He calls us his sheep hear his voice his sheep, that, that's how people get saved today brothers and sisters we hear we hear the call of the shepherd and his people it something happens and it stirs them alive the holy spirit blow the wind that blows whichever way that it will we don't know where it's coming from or where it's going, it hits his people, and we are called by the Father, and we, our ears perk up as his sheep. We hear his voice, and we come flooding to him, and there is no possible way that we can leave him. Where else are we going to go, right? He alone has the words of eternal life, but he gives us this. He says, did I myself not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil, Now he meant Judas, the the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve, and he was going to betray him. If you want to know the difference between Peter and Judas, it's that he chose Judas because Judas was going to fulfill the role that he was always going to fulfill that was prophesied in the book of Zechariah. And he chose Peter from before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter one, that I had that we believe that the Lord God has predestined, that He has chosen for Himself a people before the foundation of the world. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ today, God has known you before you were ever even a a, a possibility in your parents' eyes. That there was going to be a moment where he was going to call you and your heart was going to be changed and you were going to come to the Savior. And what Jesus promises that of all the sheep that come to me, I lose not one of them. Not one of them. So, why was Peter kept? And why was Judas not kept? Because Peter was always a sheep. And we stray, we have difficulties. There's moments where we're unfaithful. But there is never a moment where he's not. Look at what happens. Look at what happens to Peter. He in all of his shame and all of his guilt acknowledges his sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the one by whom, through whom was created all things, is making him breakfast. Before he ever even says that he's sorry. Before that Peter even says, Lord, you know that I love you in brokenness. Before any of that, the Lord Jesus is giving Peter breakfast but something, he says something very serious. He says something very, very, very serious. Flip back over to John chapter 21. This is where I'll start to, to kind of wrap this up. I want us to look at verse 18 because Jesus is very real with Peter. Very, very real. While this is a beautiful exchange and we see the mercies of Christ who is feeding his sheep, Christ is asking peter to do what christ himself is doing for peter right it's a beautiful beautiful exchange but listen to what listen to what jesus christ says here in verse 18 he says truly truly i say to you when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished but when you grow old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and will bring you where you do not wish to go and now he said this signifying what kind of death he would glorify god what does that mean Jesus says, you know, Peter, before you decided to follow me, before I called you out of this world, you used to come and you used to go freely. You used to do everything that you wanted to do. But there will come a day in your future where you will not be able to come and go freely. As a matter of fact, the people that take a hold of you will cause you to stretch out your hands. He's actually talking about that coming down the way, there will be a moment where Peter is crucified where Peter himself will be crucified for his faith in Jesus Christ. And as the story goes, as legend has it, and now the church has always believed that Peter was in fact crucified for Jesus, for his belief in Jesus. But Peter in his moment, in his moment of despair, he doesn't flee and run and go back to fishing. Instead, what he does is he faces those who are persecuting him. And he says, because I have denied, because I denied the Lord Jesus three times, I demand that you crucify me upside down because I am not worthy to die the way that my Lord died. And that's what happened. Peter was crucified upside down just as the Lord Jesus had said that his hands were going to be stretched out. Now we look and we say, okay, so so, what happened? What happened between the man who was scared and was running away What happened between the man who was looking at his persecutors boldly in the face and says, yes, crucify me, but do not crucify me in the same way that you crucified my Lord. What happened here is that Peter had a confrontation, an actual conversation with the one who was going to lead him. The one who was going to use Peter for his purposes, the one that even despite Peter's unfaithfulness... Christ was going to be faithful, and it was going to cost Peter everything. And Peter gladly paid everything for the sake of his Lord. His own unfaithfulness could not even keep him from his Savior. You know, when we read when we read in Romans that 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 when Paul gives this beautiful line where he says, "I believe there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ," neither famine, neither neither, and he gives all of these examples of the things that. Those things cannot keep us from the love of Christ. I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, that not even you yourselves can keep you from the love of Christ. And this is the point to all of this. This is the point to all of this, that Christ has made you breakfast. He has sought you out and he has called you in spite of who you used to be. He calls you out in spite of the way you thought even today. Has there been times in the last week or two or months where you have been unfaithful to Jesus in your thoughts? Has there been times in your life where you've been unfaithful to Jesus in your deeds? Have you not treated somebody the way that you should have treated them? Have you not thought about somebody the way that you should have thought about them? Have you been unfaithful? I am here to give you hope and to give you joy in the fact that the Lord is in front of you and he's making breakfast for you. And what he calls you is is that if you love me, if you love me, you know, there's a lot of these conversations and people have used it to say, well, you can lose your salvation because it says that that the Lord, it says that if you love him, if you abide with him, if you choose not to abide with him, then you're going to be cut off. You're going to be a branch that dries up and you're going to be cut off and you're going to be cast into the fire. Well, I can also read the words of the Lord Jesus by that says of all that the father gives to him will come to him and he will lose nothing that nobody can take them out of my hand. Nobody can snatch my, my, my sheep out of my hand because nobody can snap my sheep out of the Father's hand. They are in both my hand and in the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. If you are saved today and you are in Jesus Christ, you cannot be more secure in the hands of the Father and in the hands of the Son. Praise God. Amen? You cannot be taken out of the Father's hand. You cannot be taken out of the Son's hand. Don't ever listen to anybody tell you that you can lose your salvation. But here's my question to you. How do you feel about Jesus right now? And how is that reflected in your life right now? What does that look like for you? Because when Jesus comes and he says, Peter, do you love me as a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ? I ask you the same thing. Do you love him? Do you love him with your thoughts? Do you love him with your deeds? we were to play out all of your deeds out on a, on a, and we're not saved by our works. I'm not saying anything like that. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But if we were to put out how your life looks over the course of a long period of time, listen, you can take a snapshot of my life. You could take a snapshot of me today and you make all the judgments based off that. You'll say that Eric, man, I don't know if he's a believer or not, you know? And I think that can happen with just about anybody. But when we look at the course of your life, do we see a person? Who can say, Lord, you know that I love you, imperfectly, inconsistently. I need help. My flesh and my heart may fail, right? Can we agree with David when he says my flesh and my heart may fail? It does. But can we look at Jesus and say, Lord God, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. You're my only hope. He's the only hope that any of us have. Do you love him? Have you been called by him? If you have been called by him, there is nothing, brothers and sisters, that can take you out of his hand. You rest assured today in his promises. And when we look at our sin, when we we have days, because we all have bad days, don't we? We all have bad days where we go before the Lord and we say, God, I have sinned against you and I don't even know if I belong to you. I don't even know that I'm worthy enough to be called your sheep. Well, I'm here to rest. I'm here to set your minds at ease you're not worthy to be called his sheep. I'm not worthy to be called his sheep, but he makes breakfast for us anyways. Despite of our unfaithfulness, he is faithful. Strive with him, abide with him. I don't know how old you guys are. I'm not even going to venture to guess because that can be insulting, right? I can not be insulting, with, you know, that can be insulting. But what I'm saying is, is if you've been striving with the Lord thus far, he's not going to let you go. He is not going to let you go let that play out in how you on how you live let that play out in your joy do you have joy because jesus actually says that my prayer is that my people have my joy jesus's joy the joy of knowing that we are one we are in the same spirit the same spirit that indwells you today if you are in christ is the exact same spirit that raised jesus christ from the dead we can have joy knowing that whether i move to the left whether I move to the right, the Lord cannot love me more or less than he sees me right now because of the merits of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The same difference between Peter and Judas was one was his sheep. The same difference between you and Judas is that you are his sheep. Do you love him? I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about that. And I want you to come to the conclusion in this prayer that you have more reason to joy than anybody who has ever lived on this entire planet you have a reason to be joyful today those of you that have been upset those of you that have been sad those of you that have been anxious or angry or frustrated you have a reason to joy and it's the only reason to have joy you know the bible says that the man that doesn't know god is like it's like a wave in the ocean a rogue wave in the ocean they can, there can be no peace there can be no peace apart from Christ. You have the only reason for peace. And I want you to remember that. The Jesus, Jesus Christ, the one that we just read about, he's offering you breakfast before even talking about your sin. Confess your sin to him. Yes, repent from your sin daily. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow Christ. But know that even before that, he loves you. 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 The one whom he saved. He loves you. And he wishes to dine with you. That's the point of this message today. Okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh God, there are no words sufficient. There are no words sufficient to give you honor and praise and glory. Oh God, let us not ever be soft let us never look on our sin with any type of softness Lord. may may our sin cut us may it drive us to repentance may we have sorrow for how we think and how we act lord but god never never ever leave us in that too far never lead us to despair lord never let us stay so far in our sin to where we don't look upon the one that has paid for them the one who has known us from before we were ever born, that has looked at all of our sin in the past and in the present, in the future, and has decided to die for us, that we would be brought near to you. Lord, let us have joy in the fact that we are your sheep and that you will never, ever, ever let us go astray. My God, you are are worthy of all glory, of all honor, of all praise. Lord, let our life sing this to you. We love you, God. We love you, and we need you. Strive with us. Never leave us. Never forsake us. Remember your promises, God, so that when all of this is done, that we might see you face to face and that we might be able to believe and we might accept when you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. We love you, God, and we look forward to this day. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart.